please pray with me? Heavenly Father, by the clearness and the brightness of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, about six weeks ago, uh, near the very beginning of September, I, I said goodbye to my grandfather, my grandpa Harry, for the last time uh, before he died. And my grandpa and I were close. Um, I was the oldest grandchild, so I think I got the most time with him of all the grandchildren. He taught me to hunt and fish. Uh, we listened to Minnesota Twins games out in his garden in the summertime. Um, he helped me fix things. He showed me um, how to garden, how to plant things, how to care for things. He taught me about dogs, like how to be a dog whisperer. I'm boasting. I am kind of a bit, a bit of a dog whisperer. Um, he told me about his combat experience in the Korean War, um, and he also showed me the example of just joyfulness um, in singing in church choirs and, um, and in singing in barbershop quartets. Um, like, as, as my, uh, my aunts were getting ready to kind of divvy out his things, people weren't really sure what to do with the little straw hat that he wore for the, I don't know who ultimately got that, but in any case, he was a very um, interesting guy, a very varied interests, varied experience. Uh, but as his body and his mind um, progressively got weaker over the last couple of years of his life, um, each time I visited with him, I would frequently wonder, maybe was this the last time that I might spend time with him? Um, that became more and more of a conviction um, in the last months of his life. And finally, the last hour that I spent with him um, in presence together really was just presence. Um, couldn't communicate very much, he couldn't teach me anything, couldn't teach me to hunt, we couldn't leave his room. Um, he would periodically point up to the clouds and I would recognize and be, yes, God has made a good, good earth. And so I was attentive to him, but there were just very limited things that we could share together, except attention and presence. The hardest part of that visit, the thing that sticks with me, um, was leaving. Um, what's the, what are the final words that you say when you have kind of a conviction or a sense that maybe the last time you spend with somebody whom you really love? And then even the question of when, when should I leave? Like what's the right time? <laughs> um, there's what's the fullness of time and that time shared together. And then as I walked out the door, when do I break, break gaze with him? Um, I didn't want to turn my back on him, but you do have to leave a room and at one point. And so I, those are the things that I thought about as, as I left his room. And then when I got to the elevator, I realized that I had left my cell phone at his bedside table and I had to go and do those things again, <laughs> kind of. But it was, it was kind of a gimme, another, another opportunity to see him and to shake his hand and, and to um, say that one day, we, indeed, we would see each other again face to face. My Grandpa Harry was, he was a person who fought the good fight in many different ways. He finished the race, he kept the faith. Today's reading from 2 Timothy is, is a kind of final farewell. Um, it's the end of the letter, um, of the second letter to Timothy. Um, but it's also Paul's last letter, perhaps, to Timothy, his child in the faith. Paul, in this time, um, was probably imprisoned in Rome. Um, he was conscious that he was awaiting a, a final sentence, perhaps a sentence of death, as tradition goes. 
And he says in the, in the letter, the time of his departure had come. Now, Paul wrote much of the New Testament, as we know. Um, he was a great theologian, um, interpreting Old Testament scripture in light of Jesus' revelation, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And his letters are really well known for a deep and sometimes a very dense um, theological reflection. But like much of First and Second Timothy, Paul's words and his emphasis in today's reading is an emphasis on character, um, not primarily on doctrine. That throughout First and Second Timothy, Paul gives instruction uh, to keep the deposit of faith pure, to be faithful and witness to the gospel. But his instructions are primarily about how Timothy might do that, not the content of the faith or the content of the doctrine. He assumes that Timothy understands the doctrine of faith. And here in the, in the emphasis in First and Second Timothy is to be faithful in what you have been taught and to execute and to um, live out the ministry uh, which Timothy had been called and which Paul had lived out in his life. To continue in what you have learned and um, have firmly believed knowing from whom you have learned it. To persevere, to endure suffering well. That Paul gives an example of I suffer, I'm writing myself from prison, you too will, will suffer. There's an expectation, an honesty about his ministry. And an exhortation to in the midst of those sufferings and those trials be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not to be distracted by controversies, things that draw away or false teachings or to swerve from the truth, but to pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. And in kind of the way that a spiritual father might say, saying, follow in the path of your mother and your grandmother who were, who were believers, and then finally follow in my path, your father in the faith. In today's reading, Paul reflects upon his life um, and then closes with some seemingly mundane uh, details, um, mundane requests and comments that you don't often see in other parts of Scripture. In verse 5, just before our readings today, he gives a very clear direction to Timothy, saying, As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And it continues again in that emphasis on Timothy as a young minister or younger minister in the faith to be faithful in executing uh, that ministry and that ordination which Paul was involved in and others was involved in in laying out of hands for Timothy. And then verses 6 through 8, which we read, um, they're sort of implying that as Paul was one who executed his ministry faithfully and was in a way poured out um, in his life, although nearly empty, Timothy was to continue in the same good fight, the perseverance of the race, and to keep the faith. Paul picks up on uh, themes that he'd introduced earlier in 2 Timothy, which I was able to preach on um, from chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, talking about um, soldiers and athletes and farmers, um, just sort of gritty perseverance um, vocations that require strength. Discipleship similarly requires discipline and stamina and a strength of body, mind, and spirit, emphasizing that the way of Jesus Christ isn't a vacation, but more like a quest or a journey or an adventure of abiding in God's love. And so as, our, as the psalmist prays and as we prayed together, the path of the Lord sometimes leads through dry places, through valleys of the shadow 
of, the, of death, and yet we will fear no evil, for God is with us. That our strength is in the Lord um, in the midst of this journey and following after him. And we don't go from strength to weakness as we are naturally meant to do, you know, where you have stamina and then you lose it as you um, run out of endurance. But those who trust in the Lord move from strength to strength in a miraculous way as the life of Christ is built up more within them. That even as their mortal life is poured out, eternal life is, is poured in and our cup still overflows. That dry places become as pools of water and that the Lord guards and preserves us even when it seems we are without any defense. Paul traveled on that path of the Lord for a long time and you get a sense from um, this, these final words that that's kind of what he's reflecting on. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. He was a person who often longed and even fainted for the courts of the Lord and had many different adventures, um, shipwrecks and places in which he was persecuted. But now his journey was nearly complete. And he again gives that word, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And he makes a comparison with a drink offering. Again, um, like a drink offering, our mortal life is limited. Like a cup, its contents is poured out um, until the cup is empty. Paul also compared himself in uh, Philippians to a drink offering, writing that even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. This allusion is to um, God's instructions of drink offerings in Numbers chapter 28. Each day, God had instructed the people to give an offering, an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord, morning and evening, each time of a lamb and flour and strong drink. Not grape juice, but strong drink poured upon these offerings. Now Paul was subject to others and he was describing himself in kind of a passive way of being poured out. It wasn't that he was pouring himself out, but that God and maybe even these other rulers, maybe even the Romans were pouring him out. He was imprisoned, he was suffering, but no matter what other people's intentions were for him or however another person was acting upon him in their authority, he saw his life as being poured out by God for the sake of the faith and the service of others. That these other authorities, these other um, persecutors sought to take away his life and to crush his spirit through persecution and hardship. But Paul was still seeing this as a joy that he would rejoice to share um, in the sufferings of Christ and a joy um, that, that his, his suffering was affecting um, and being as it was a witness to those who might believe. No matter how Paul was being persecuted and scorned by men and women, the Lord was receiving Paul's life as an offering of thanksgiving. And so even in that time, he could rejoice in his suffering, being poured out as a drink offering, um, poured out with a limited amount, but one that was being filled up um, with eternal life and a reward that was coming in a crown of righteousness. After he received the judgment of men, it was not their judgment that would be final, but God's judgment over him, that he had been one who sought the Lord's appearing and received a crown of righteousness, a covering of beauty and honor over his head, no matter what sort of scorn or rejection others might give to him. 
Now, the mundane requests and the comments at the end of our reading um, might give us a bit of whiplash, right? We think, why is he talking about cloaks and parchments and books and then seemingly saying unkind things about other people? What is, what is it about this contrast of the gravity of I've fought the good fight and I've finished the race and kept the faith? How are these at all um, consistent? How can they come from the same mouth or the same intention? Well, I don't think they are consistent, inconsistent. I think books and cloaks and trustworthy friends are absolutely necessary for us to fight the good fight, to finish the race, and keep the charge of keeping the faith. That Jesus' commandments, his kingdom is advanced through very mundane offerings and many different simple acts of, of love and of service. I talked with uh, Father Chris Peterson this morning just about these passages. He, um, he is a hospice chaplain. He spends lots of time with people at end of life. And we were just reflecting on how these mundane things, these ways of service, maybe examples like listening to Twins games with my grandpa, that these simplest expressions of love bear um, even deeper integrity as, as they're added one upon another. The deep doctrine comes through the simplest expressions of love. And we see that even in how Jesus treated his disciples in the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate together. That deep doctrine comes through the simplest expressions of love. That on the night that he was given over to suffering and death, Jesus broke bread with his disciples. He shared a meal with them. He commanded them to love one another and then he did the most mundane and humbling thing and washed their feet. Deep doctrine comes through those simplest expressions of love. Because it's a love not just in word or in sentiment or sort of warm, warm feelings that doesn't have guts, but it is love in action in simple, practical ways. And likewise, just as we can be people who are blessed by faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in the household of faith and really say, I love to work alongside this person or that, that man, that woman. I'm so encouraged in my faith when I'm with them, when they pray for me, when they read scripture, when they pray on our behalf within the church. Those are great blessings and they carry us forward in fighting the good fight and finishing the race and keeping the faith. But on the other hand, there are those who are unreliable witnesses, sometimes those who are false, and the Lord will repay them um, according to their deeds as well. It is not unjust, it's not sinful to call to account those who injure other members of the body of Christ. Now surely we're, we're called not to slander others or to be harsh or proud in our condemnation of, of those who are unfaithful but whether it's sins of commission, um, sort of the active uh, resistance like Alexander the coppersmith in verse 14, or sins of, of desertion or omission like Demas in verse 10, it is just to call to account those who harm others within the body of Christ. But to call to account with humility and in a spirit of gentleness. And that's been struck for me um, just as there are things within our diocese, within our deanery that have been um, cause and reason for correction. But I've really been struck by Paul's words in Galatians um, chapter 6 saying, Brothers and sisters, if any one of you is caught in a transgression, 
you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. And with a caution, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. It's a caution that's so important because we can, it's very easy for us to see the failings of others. It's very easy to feel the wounds of, of those who have disappointed us. Um, but we can miss and not see the ways in which our um, calling to account others, the ways that they have injured us, might be root, can create like a root of bitterness or root of pride. So if we should do that, correction at all, do so with a spirit of gentleness and keep watch lest we too are tempted um, and drawn into either the same sin or a different sin ourselves. Paul was calling Timothy to follow in his way as he himself had followed in Jesus' way. And he requested his cloak, his parchment, his books, um, and I, I think he really truly desired them, but I think in requesting them as he felt like his cup was being poured out, that his time was nearly ended, that he was in a way saying, maybe you'll be able to deliver them to me face to face, but if not, you are entrusted with these things, my cloak, my parchments, my books, sort of a, a carrying forward of my ministry. Because Timothy continued in what he learned from Paul and had firmly believed, and through Timothy, through others who received the faith through the apostles, the gospel continued to spread through those simplest expressions of love from one generation to another, to those who sought to obey Jesus' command to love one another, and then gave myriad examples of how we might do so even things as, as so um, humbling as washing each other's feet. Now, like the, the angst that I felt um, leaving my grandpa's room for the last time, um, farewells with people whom we love um, are painful, and I think they're, they're painful because there is a deep bond between us. There is deep bond of affection, especially for those who are united together in Christ. We experienced that last week as we um, said farewell to Ross and Barbie Anderson, who've been part of Church of the Redeemer for 10 years. But um, as we were giving those farewells, a member of the church was just saying, I want to be a person who establishes such deep relationships that, that when I leave, we're going to try that, when I depart, that people will, will 